listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, This morning we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And uh, so I thought I'd just kind of talk a little bit uh, about the Lord's Supper. You know, over the next several weeks as we go through the Beatitudes and then the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper every single week. Uh, And so I thought it'd be important for us to remember what it is and why we're doing it as we take the Lord's Supper every week. And so uh, I, I thought that'd be important. And because there's a lot of questions that are come up around the Lord's Supper, we all come from different traditions. We come from different uh, backgrounds. And so the, the questions kind of come into our mind is, is the Lord's Supper a form? In other words, is there a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it? Or is it a function? Is it just simply that something that Christians do together? Uh, how are we supposed to do it? Well, here we have these little things. Uh, by the way, the gluten option is awful. I don't know if you... <laughs> I just, I'm going to pray more specifically for you people who are glute, have to be gluten-free. My, my daughter and granddaughter have celiac, and they uh, are gluten-free, and I never realized what a sacrifice they make. Wow. Although, I will say, just parenthetically as we begin, the juice in the gluten-free is much better than the juice in the, in the other one. So, and that's part of the question. Uh, How do we do it? Are we supposed to use wine? Do we use juice? Do we use, uh, you know, Welch's? Or is it okay to use a lesser brand like Springfield or something like that? I mean, all these questions about the juice. Is it, do you use a single cup that everybody drinks from? Or do you pass out the little things? Is it in, how, how are we supposed to do this? Or is it about what? What it is we're doing? That's another important question. Is it about when we do it? Uh, we do it six times a year. We do it every month. We do it the first Sunday of the month. Uh, we do it only on Sunday mornings. Or we do it, you know, well, all, all these questions about the Lord's Supper in, in terms of uh, how do we make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? Uh, why do we do it? You know, I've always thought that we do it because the Lord told us to do it, right? Uh, do this as often as you do it in, in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Every time you do this, he said, you proclaim the Lord's death. So it's something that the Lord told us to do. But how do we use it? Do we use it as part of our worship service? Do we use it as part of a wedding or a special spiritual moment that we have maybe at a marriage retreat or a Sunday school class or something like that event? How, how is it that we uh, do use it? You know, I grew up in a church where the Lord's Supper, we called it communion, was a big deal. In fact, in the Moravian Church, in our hymn book, we had six separate liturgies for the Lord's Supper because there were six different times during the year. There was Passover, excuse me, there was Passion Week, uh, there was a Monday, Thursday, uh, there was Whit Sunday, there was Pentecost Sunday, uh, there was, you know, all of these different things. We, we did the Lord's Supper and we did it differently almost every single time. Sometimes we all went forward and there was a single chalice that everyone drank from and there was a single loaf of bread that everyone took a piece off of. Sometimes they passed elements like we do in our church in a tray with little cups in it and um, uh, there were little wafers that you would do the Lord's Supper with. And, and at one time during the year, 
uh, during the Christmas Eve service, uh, they did the Lord's Supper with sticky buns and coffee. <laughs> Moravian sticky buns. If you have not had a Moravian sticky bun, you have not lived. They, they are, that recipe died with my mother. Uh, she used to make it just from scratch and never wrote it down. And so now it's lost from our family forever. Moravian sticky buns. What a loss. Anyway, so, so the, the, the issues in, in my church, it was very complicated. In our, when you were joining the church in the, in the membership class, in catechism class, uh, in the catechetical, catechetical instruction, we spent an entire lesson on the proper ways to hold the Lord's Supper. When the, when the cup was passed by, the pastor would take the cup and put it into your hand. And you used these three fingers and your thumb on your right hand. Very important. And you held it this way until the liturgy was over. And then you drank it, holding it that way. Then you took it with your left hand and put it into the receptacle in the pew rack in front of you. When you went forward, uh, there was a, you knelt down and you put your hands behind your back. And the pastor took, put the cup up to your mouth and you sipped it and then he put it down. There were all of the, and then you took the piece of bread from the end that was ripped a little piece at a time. I mean, all these rules. And, and you could always tell who was visiting um, <laughs> because they didn't have a clue, you know. They're holding their hand out like this, you know, and you could, you know, you could hear some people in the church going, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, all these, so when, when I became a Christian, which was after I grew up in that church, um, and, and, we, and when Cheryl and I were in seminary, we started visiting different churches, and I was just amazed at all of the different traditions of how the Lord's Supper was done, when it was done, how it was done, etc. And, and I started to think, well, if I'm going to be a pastor, I ought to think about what it is supposed to be about and, and make sure that uh, we're, we're doing it, uh, if there is a right way, that we're doing it the right way. So my thought was, what does Scripture say? And so I began to study the passages on Scripture. And I think this one in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is the primary teaching on the Lord's Supper that we need to look at this morning to understand how and what the Lord's Supper is as we participate in it week by week by week. Before we read those verses, there's a couple comments I want to make in terms of the context in which the Apostle Paul was writing uh, these words. In the first century, in the early church, the Lord's Supper was not celebrated like we do. Like at the end of a service, we take the bread, we take the, the cup. It was much more of a love feast where the church got together, all of them, and they brought, like we do in potlucks, they all bring uh, food and they would put it on a table and then everybody would take something from the table and they would sit down together and they would eat this uh, food. It was a love feast. And then at the end they would remember that their oneness, the unity that all of these people are sharing together as they eat this meal is because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's what makes us one. Now that's important because if you remember in the first century, the church was made up of a great diversity of people. There were those who were citizens in Rome and there was everybody else who wasn't a citizen. There were people who were owners 
of slaves, and there were slaves in the church. There were men, there were women. In the church at Corinth, there were people who had been resettled there by the Roman legions from other countries, and now they're here in the city of Corinth. And so they had people that spoke different languages as their native tongues. They had different customs. They had different backgrounds, different cultures from which they came. And now here they are as part of the church all together. And it was important that they realized that in spite of all of their differences, they were one people of God. Because discovering that you are a part of something, that you're included, that you are accepted, that you're not alone, that, that you are okay in this group is a very important thing in the first century. So the Lord's Supper did all of those kinds of things. And so the Lord's Supper was always about what we're doing and why we're doing it. It wasn't about how we're doing it. It was about what we're doing and about why we're doing it. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said these words, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now, the important thing about that verse, other than just what it says, is the word that he uses when he uses the idea of sharing and partake. It's the word that we use and have put over into uh, our context in the 21st century. It's the word koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship. It, it means that there is a, a participation by all. We are all part of the same thing. He's saying when you are eating this meal together, you are saying that we're part, we're each part of one another because of the benefits from the finished work of Christ. There is no diversity in the body of Christ. There's only unity. It's us. It's the family of God. It's brothers and sisters together. That's the statement that's made when we come to the Lord's Supper as we take these elements together, as we see in the, the first century. Now in Corinth, that's not the case. That's not what is happening in Corinth. And so Paul is writing this section because that's not happening. Listen to what he says here in verses 17 through 22. He says, now in the following instructions, I do not commend you. You know, it's always a, it's not a good thing when uh, the pastor of the church stands up and says, listen, there's nothing that you're doing that I can commend. There's, there's no commendations about your behavior. In fact, everything you're doing is wrong, is, is bad, is, is, and on and on and on. There's no commendation here. Paul says, I cannot commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better. It's not for the benefit of one another. It's for the worse. It's for the destruction of the very thing that you're supposed to be coming together for. You're supposed to be coming together for unity, and what's actually happening is you're coming together and there's divisions in your church. There's disunity. He goes on and says, for to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions or factions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Indeed, there has to be factions among you. 
for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you, become, when you come together, it's not really to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, you come together under the guise that this is the Lord's Supper, but let me tell you, what you guys are doing is not the Lord's Supper. It's something else. He says, uh, uh, for, for when the time comes to eat at the meal when everybody comes together, each of you goes ahead with your own supper and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. Here's what he's saying. <clears throat> a lot of people during the day didn't have to work. But a lot of people in the church had to work and they worked till like six o'clock. And they didn't get done with work. And after they got done with work, they came over to, for this love feast, for this meal that they ate together with their brothers and sisters in Christ. But the people who got there at three o'clock, they all brought great picnic lunches that they picked up from Gelson's. And, and they came and that was great sandwiches. I mean, it was just terrific. And they sat there and ate. And some of them, you know, they all drank wine in those days. And so they had enough wine for everybody. And some of these people sat there and drank all the wine. And they were drunk. And so when the rest of the people came, there was no food and there was no wine. And so how did they feel? Did they feel included? Man, they felt like, well, obviously, these people are better than we are. We, we've been left out. There's, there's nothing for us to, to, to share in. And so he says this. He says, that's not really the Lord's Supper. Uh, he says, what, do you not have homes to eat and drink in? If this meal is about eating and drinking, then stay at home and do it. But don't come to this meal because this meal's not about eating and drinking. This meal's about sharing. This meal's about koinonia. This meal, meal is about us, brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? In the church of God, those who have nothing are never to be humiliated because they have nothing. They are to be affirmed, they're to be shared with, they're to be included as equal with everyone else. They're to participate just like everybody else participates. It's not about who has and who doesn't have. It's not about what language you speak. It's not about where you were born. It's not about whether you're a woman or you're a man. It's not about those things. He says, and you are showing contempt for the church of God when you make it about those things. He says, what should I say to you? Should I commend you? He says, in this way, I do not commend you. No way. There's no commendation here. You guys are completely wrong. And you need to correct this. See, rather than a statement about the unity of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper became an issue of division with these people. He says, There's, you, you need to be corrected in this. And so he says, let me go through again the words that Jesus gave us concerning this meal. Okay, so he takes them through these words. Verse 17, he says, now in the following instructions, excuse me, uh, verse uh, 23, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, uh, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, now, there you go. Jesus is going to speak about unity when? On the night that he is betrayed, where Judas turns against them and creates, diversity, creates a division in their group, Jesus is going to talk about unity. On the night that he was betrayed, how appropriate. When is it inappropriate to talk about unity? Evidently, it's never inappropriate to talk about unity. And so on the night that he was betrayed, 
he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Now that's human. This is, the, this is a plural um, pronoun here. This is for you, for all of you. This is my body, and in the Gospels, Jesus said, broken for all of you. Now, you know the difference between a transitive and an intransitive verb? Is everybody shaking their head this way? Well, okay, well then I'll have to tell you. Okay, this, this is a, a verb that carries action here. And, and so what, what he, he's saying is, uh, this, this bread, if you could see the little piece of bread in there, um, he says, this represents my body that is broken. So he takes off a piece of it. This, this, this is what this bread is about. It's in this context tonight, as we're eating together, Jesus says, this bread is not just nourishment. This bread has the meaning of my body, which is for all of you. Now that's a new idea. Jesus said, I've not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for, for all of you. This is my body for all of you, Jesus says. He says, do this every time you do it. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what my life and my death and my ministry was all about. It was about creating a people of God. It was creating the kingdom of heaven right here, where God's rule, God's reign is active and his people surrender to it. All of them together, he says, remember that every time you do it. So the next month and a half, every single time, at the end of Ryan's sermon, when we do the Lord's Supper together, we need to be remembering that this is about what Jesus came to do. We're, we're connecting with the ministry of Jesus as we are doing this together in remembrance of me, Jesus said. <clears throat> and in the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. Now that word covenant simply means agreement. This is the new deal. This is the new relationship that is possible with you and God. You can now be in a relationship with God by means of my blood. This juice, represents my blood, and through my shedding of my blood, your sins are not just covered, your sins are removed. And now there's nothing that stands between you and a relationship with God. You can be a part of God's family by means of my death on the cross. He says, that's what this means. And then again, he says to them, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of what I have done for you. And remember, it's not just you, it's y'all. Maybe all y'all, right? I never understood that. It's so freeing not to be from the South. In this context, okay. He, and now listen to this, he says, for as often as you eat this bread, so as often. So when can you do this? 
There's no schedule. It's as often. For a while here at Village, we did it the first Sunday of every month. Sometimes we did it uh, on uh, Good Friday and uh, on, on other times, we, you know, as often. Whenever you figure it's appropriate for you to be doing this to make a statement about who you are in relationship with each other and God, do it. You can do it every week. Some churches do. We're going to do that, aren't we, Ryan? Every week. So as often as you do this, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're making a statement. We're making a statement that our unity, the fact that we're doing this together is all about what Jesus has done for us. This isn't just about our unity, our being one body. This is about we're one body because of what Jesus did. It's about him. We're proclaiming our unity through Christ. That's what we're proclaiming. This is a confession. This is a, we're preaching a sermon every time we do this, is what Jesus said. He says, now, that's what Jesus told us. Now he goes on in the next section, and he starts to connect what's going on in their church with what he just said, this is what the Lord told us to do, and to show them the contrast. So he says to them in verse 27, he says, so whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the, of, of the Lord. So now he brings into our minds a question, whenever it is we're doing this, is the fact that we could be doing it in a worthy way, or we could be doing it in an unworthy way. So, it's rather important that we understand what we're doing, right? Because we could be doing it in an unworthy way. You can mess up the Lord's Supper. Now think about that. I don't know how often you've ever thought about that. Sometimes we just kind of do it by rote. Uh, but you could mess it up. The church at Corinth, as we've already seen, we're messing it up. They were doing it in an unworthy way. And therefore we're answerable for the blood and body of our Lord. In other words, we're, we're standing outside of the circle of grace when we do this in an unworthy manner. <clears throat> and so he says, you better figure out who you are, whether you're worthy or it's unworthy. So this becomes an issue that we need to think about. And here's the, here's the context. He says this, examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink the cup. So figure out who you are and then participate. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body of our Lord, eat and drink judgment against themselves. Discerning the body of Christ. Understanding that this meal is about the body of Christ. In other words, worthy and unworthy is not whether you came and you have guilt in your heart. Well, I probably shouldn't do this because I'm, I'm all messed up. It's, wrong question. The point is, we're all messed up. There's nobody here who's, who is disqualified because you're too messed up. There, you can't get to the point of being too messed up. And that's a good thing. I know some of you. Some of you worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so, so, so that issue of worthy and unworthy is, isn't about your personal spiritual uh, position at the moment. Now, that's good to know. That's good to know. That means that everybody is available to receive these elements every time. Man, that's exciting. Because I've been in some churches where that wasn't the case. Uh, it, the first church that I pastored in Simi Valley, uh, the first Sunday that I was there was a communion Sunday. And here's what they said. Now, I'm helping the pastor serve communion because this is my first Sunday there. I'm the assistant pastor. I even had a suit. <laughs> here's the first thing he said. Now, anyone... We got done singing the last song, and he says, now, we're going to share together in these elements. And anyone who isn't a member of First Baptist Church, we thank you for coming today, and we'd like to ask you to, um, uh, to leave because our communion is closed to anyone who isn't a member of First Baptist. Now, this is my first Sunday there. I'm helping serving the Lord's Supper, and I've not yet become a member of that church. This created a problem. Okay. Should I leave? Should I go grab Cheryl and we walk out? Or what? Am I an exception? You know, I mean, the, all the, it, as soon as you start making rules, you've messed up the Lord's Supper. See? You, you've now done it in an unworthy method. See? Yeah, real interesting. So discerning the body of Christ. Discerning that this is about the fellowship discerning that this is about the unity, the oneness. That, that's what it's about. Not doing things that destroy the thing that Jesus prayed for, which is unity. Are you dressed the right way? That was an issue I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, but we happen to have that issue in, in this church when I first came. The first Sunday that we did uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, the elders uh, served the Lord's Supper, and one of the elders didn't come with a suit on that day. He couldn't serve the Lord's Supper because you have to be wearing a suit to serve the Lord's Supper. I want to tell you, that messes up the Lord's Supper when you have rules like that. It's not about rules. So, that just, Jesus prayed that we might be one, a unity. He said, Father, that they might be one as you and I are one. Unity. That's it. So when you're discerning the body of Christ, you're discerning that you are a part of the body of Christ because of the finished work of Christ, because of what he did for you, you're a part of, of, the, of his body, this body. The issue is not, are you a member of Village Church? Years ago, we gave up trying to figure out who was a member and who wasn't. Here's what I figure. If you're here... You're a member. There you go. So, <clears throat> so then he continues on and, and uh, says this. He says, in, in, in fact, it's for this reason that many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Now, here's a big statement. He's saying that the quality of life of believers is either depreciated or enhanced by this one issue. Understanding, discerning the body of our Lord, that you are a part of it because of what he did, and, and, and sharing together that way with no restrictions, this will enhance your life. 
So sharing together in this, these elements, understanding what it is that we're doing, will enhance your life. Being a part of something that's greater than you will enhance your life. Being a part of a body of believers where you can serve and you can share and you can invest in your time and energy and resources and thoughts and prayers in the, in the health of the body is good for you. Being isolated, being alone, being special, as uh, Ryan talked about last week, being, what was it, was certain, certitude, can destroy unity. See, but when you're, when you're part of it, man, your, your life is enriched. Your life is enhanced in every way, is what Paul is saying here. He says, you know, we should learn from this. He says, but if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. We, we need to, we need to these, this is the criteria against which we need to think in terms of our participation in the body. You know, what did we say this morning? We're not consumers. We're not just showing up to get something. We're, we're, we're showing up because we're a part of something. We're part of a body that worships Jesus Christ, that worships God, that lifts him up. And in the doing of that, my life is enriched in every way. That's the whole idea. That's why we worship him. Verse 33, Paul says this, So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. He says, man, I'm going to check on this. The next time you have the love feast, you, you better have made some changes in your approach. Man, you, you, you know, there's some things that you need to change in your practice. Because the Lord's Supper, Paul is saying here, is not about who. It's not about who does it. It's not about why we do it. It's not about when we do it. It's not about where we do it as much as it is about what we're doing. That's the issue. What are we doing when we do the Lord's Supper? That's the question. It's a statement about our unity because of the finished work of Christ on the cross and nothing else. Doing the Lord's Supper doesn't mean you're a member of Village Church. Doing the Lord's Supper doesn't mean that you're right where God wants you to be in every aspect of your life. Doing the Lord's Supper together doesn't, it means one thing. It means that you're part of a community of faith, that there's unity, and, and that you love and accept and affirm and value every sing, everybody else who's here this morning. Because we're all here because of what Christ did, not because of our competence, not because of our credentials, because none of them matter. And it certainly isn't about the kind of food we're eating, as it was in, in Corinth. So, here's my thoughts as we approach the next several weeks together of sharing the Lord's Supper. He says, whether we do it once a year, or whether we do it once a month, or every week, the Lord's Supper is about us as the body of believers. That's what it's about. Every single time, that's what it's about. It's never about a special, uh, about a personal spiritual moment, moment that's about Jesus and me. It's never about a personal spiritual moment that's about Jesus and me. This isn't about you getting your life right. right? You got your life right when you came into faith in Jesus Christ. That's what got your life right. Now, be who you are. That, that's pretty much what the gospel is, is trying to encourage us to do. Just be who you are in, in Christ. It's spiritual moments. So many times people wanted like, for instance, here at Village Church, I've had many conversations with people who are about to be married and they want to do the Lord's Supper as part of their wedding service. 
Now, I don't know if that's because they were brought up in a Catholic church and the mass is, a, there's a whole mass. Well, I guess maybe you can do the Lord's Supper if you're going to do the mass and everybody who's there is going to share in the Lord's Supper. If you're going to have everybody who's coming, but that's hard to do because not everybody's a part of the body. Not, it doesn't make any sense. So because it's very, because the what question cannot be answered in, the, in a wedding, I have always said, no, you know, there's other things that you could do besides the Lord. So this is not about a spiritual moment between you and your husband. And it, this, this, is a, this is a body statement. This is not a personal moment. This is not something that you do at the end of a marriage retreat where husbands and wives do the Lord's Supper together. This is, this is a body statement. This is for us. This is for all of us. And in fact, it's the opposite of its meaning. When you do something that's just about me, what about everybody else? Well, you just excluded everybody else. That's not unity. That's division. And so it can't be about you. It's about us. It's always an us statement. It's always in a statement of unity because of what Jesus did for us all. It's an inclusive statement. Jesus said, this is my bro body broken for all of you. That's what we're proclaiming. Every single one. That, that's why I believe everybody should take the Lord's Supper. I don't think anyone should be excluded. It's not about whether you're a Christian or not. If you're not a Christian, you're hearing the gospel when we do the Lord's Supper together. You're hearing the good news that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin so that you can be acceptable to God and be in a relationship with him and with all of his family members. I mean, that's what the Lord's Supper is saying. What a great opportunity. It's an all-inclusive statement. It's a koinonia. It's a fellowship with Christ and each other. As we read in chapter 10, he says, I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I'm saying. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a koinonia in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a koinonia in the body of, of Christ? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great statement of what he's saying. Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we are koinonia of, of one bread. We're partaking, we're participating of Christ. Every single one of us. There's no other way. It's a sharing. It's all of us sharing in the benefits of Christ's death. Now that's something to proclaim. That's a message to proclaim every time we do it together. We're saying that we are one body because of what Christ has done. Not because we all use the same version of the Bible. There's a million versions of the Bible. People say, Pastor Wade, what version should I, of the Bible should I use? I say, anything that you'll read. <laughs> anything that you'll read. If it's the message, read it. If it's good news for modern, read it. If it's the living Bible, read it. I'm in favor of anything that you'll read. Unless you want to get at Hebrew and Greek, and then you better get the right copy of Hebrew and Greek. And let me tell you, you nobody here wants to learn Greek. Some of us had to, but not because we wanted to. And Hebrew, same thing. Hebrews, actually, it's easier. Um, I won't tell you why, but at any rate. And so this, he says, and do this when? Until I come. Has he come back? So guess what? There's still stuff for us to do, right? We need to keep proclaiming this message until he comes back. Whether we do it every week, or every month, or a couple times a year, or once a year, or on our birthday, or whenever, 
we're proclaiming that we're one in Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.